a favour the podcast about learning from experience and the things we do to make our lives easier. My name's Tim Sisney from Make Work Work Better and each episode I'll be talking to my guests about their epiphanies, their inspirations and the magic of their workflow. I'm very excited um, to be joined today by Anisha Dosha who is was the second name I wrote down when I was coming with people who I wanted to have on my podcast. Um, possibly one of the nicest men in um, LinkedIn and uh, somebody who I enjoy spending a lot of time uh, talking to about change and what we've learnt and how things are going as solopreneurs. So, hello, Anish. Wow, what, what an intro. What an intro. Um, and I didn't pay you either, so uh, so that's, uh, that's great. Good to be here, Tim. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. I'm going on holiday later today, so um, very, very excited. I've decided that I'm going to spend some time not working um, because I've realised that um, I spend a lot of time not working, but also not not working. Um, so I'm going to spend more time not working, um, or less, not, not, I'm forgetting which way around it is, I've got confused, but just not doing anything that could remotely be related to work. Reading fiction like looking at the sea that sort of thing nice i like it could you just give everybody a little bit of an introduction to who you are what you do what's your thing yeah sure um i'm anish indocha i uh went the way of independent working in 2019 i'm i'm a dad of two um almost eight years old and a four-year-old um so they keep me busy um and uh yeah, I uh, have a small consultancy um, because it's small because it's just me at the moment, um, but with an ambition to grow. And we focus on, well, when I, when I say we, I, I do bring in the associate, but I focus on principally culture design. So how do we help organizations, large and small, mainly in financial services, because that's my background, in improving their culture and being more intentional about working to design one that they uh want people to join and, and stay with really so that's the that's my that's my background lovely thank you and we've had a lot of conversations about culture and change and things that um what moves culture in the right direction um which i've found particularly helpful as i've been getting myself getting myself established so we'll we'll get into it if that's all right um as you know do yourself a favor is about things we have learned our experiences and things that make our lives easier and what i'd like to start with is what's something that you wish you'd known sooner <laughs> so that's a that's a good question and you know when you're when you're in a when you're in a job job um you you end up um looking at this thing called a career and when I, um, I wish I'd known sooner that there is really no such thing as a career anymore. That's that, that's, I'll put it as black and white as that. Um, I think uh, there's a book that's come out recently in the last couple of years called The Squiggly Career that says actually it's, it's, it's not a straight line. And um, what, what fascinates me about this is um, 
that the future of work looks a little bit patchy. Um, I think we're, we're learning to see that organizations uh, can be quite mercenary in terms of um, how quickly they can hire and then let go of their people. And equally, employees have to be a little bit more creative in terms of how they go about um, presenting themselves in work and outside of work, which is why you see the growth of things on LinkedIn and people in jobs, but then also thinking about what is their personal brand. Um, and that's a great thing in my view. Um, so I, I, wish I'd, I wish I'd known earlier that there is actually not really such a thing as a career, a straight, in the, in the way that we might have traditionally thought of as career. What difference do you think that would make if you'd known that? What is there anything that springs to mind that you know you would have done differently? I think I'd have been, I think I'd have been a bit more courageous, if I'm honest. Um, I think I might have um, given myself permission to volunteer, to do some pro bono work, to experiment more with things that I might have just touched the sides of in a job, hadn't necessarily given myself permission to actually go and do so um you know example of that would be um workshop facilitation you know it's something that i got the opportunity to do um frequently in the last say eight or nine years but had i known sooner say 20 years ago um then then yeah i might have given that i might have given that a go and and certainly you know when we talk about that then we start to think about portfolio careers and and people that might end up mixing and matching, um, working for a company with perhaps doing something hobbyist on the side, for example. And I, I, I only see that growing. I really only see that growing. And actually, come to think of it out loud, wouldn't it be interesting if, if companies realized that and were able to some way harness that for their employees? Um, don't know how you do that. I don't know what people would think about what that does to productivity. Um, if you'd have your, your own role and then do something else on the side on company time. So uh, it sounds all idealistic, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how I see that. So you, you're thinking some, and I know this has literally just popped into your head. Um, so I'm not going to pick into it too much, but the, um, so something along the lines of the kind of Google 20% time sort of idea where people could follow follow a passion or a crazy idea or something like that on company time, but not necessarily taking it a step further and not necessarily having it creating something that that company would then own being something that would enable people to, I, I guess, side hustle with the company's blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, don't know how that works, but, but it doesn't have in, in, in my, in my worldview, um, if, if, if there is more, if there are more portfolio careers, if that if that if that starts to increase, and I think it might over the next ten years, um, then then yeah, it doesn't have to be tied to what the company's objectives are. It's 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 it affects thing it affects how things are done contractually as well with employees. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think the future works just fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I I think there's something in that as well about I know a number of people and and I I, I did it a little when I um, first trained as a getting things done trainer that there was a sense of there was this thing that I was interested in that I paid for the training myself as, as and it was 
it wasn't even serious enough to be a side hustle. It was just a thing that I was kind of interested in and I was exploring as a, as a possible other option. And I was really conscious of how that would look in my day job. Um, you know, does it, does that send a signal that I'm looking to leave and therefore does, does that cut off? Does that change the way that people see me from a point of view of like my job job? and you know potential um you know new roles or so on or is it genuinely seen as development um i was fortunate that i i saw i I kind of managed to parlay that into a into the continuous improvement role that was my last role Mm -hmm. um because there were some very definite links but you know so say somebody goes into goes into coaching then you could say potentially you know if you're a manager then those things are linked but what if you want to go and do something completely different I couldn't agree more. I think it's changing, you know. I, I certainly know, and I'm sure you know as well, people in in traditional employment, i.e. they're not freelancing or they're not independent, but equally they have a brand on, say, LinkedIn, for example, or they're, I know somebody today who's going to be part of a panel, um, you know, um, talking about um, work-related subject, but but that's... That, that's increasing, but I understand the reticence of, of people wanting to do that. But passion finds a way. I'm a firm believer of that. It, it, it just does. If you're, an example I often like to give is if you're, if you're an accountant working in finance, um, but no one knows you've got a gift for writing, and the internal comms department who are always on about, we don't have somebody who's, you know, putting out the message around the value that finance delivers well you've got this hidden talent there that hasn't come to the fore so so we we ought to be we ought to be exposing that and people are getting better at putting themselves forward so i think that's it's only a good thing mm-hmm. i suppose in that in that example there as well like unconscious biases come into play and so then we're into that whole that whole culture thing of the more of yourself you feel comfortable bringing to work the more you can cut through those um the biases around you know well someone who works in finance probably doesn't have those kind of interests and so on and so forth um and actually making the companies encouraging people to have the to bring their whole selves and to bring their um their passions to their work as well is only going to improve the engagement and the performance of those people who are yeah completely if i'm interviewing somebody for a job and they they didn't put anything on the classic hobbies and interests section of their web of their cv for example um but i probed and they said well you know i'm i'm an improv actor on the side you know i I, I, i'd be as interested in having a 10 minute walk around what does that look like for them how they how they how they get into it um how does that help them in terms of in terms of their work, for example? Because I think there are certain things. Um, even thinking of that example, so so yeah, they, it's it, they, there. You go. You know, just in that, we are, we are talking about um, how work is changing, how how people are at work, but even down to the hiring process itself and how people interview. It's it's a gnarly one for sure, um, and I think something that we've we will always bump up against is that in order for anything that feels like a small change will almost always then have impact elsewhere in an organization in in order for that's even a small change to be able to be um embedded because it just affects potentially so many different parts of the business yeah yeah absolutely 
but um, yeah, if you're if you're a company, you want to work at at curating that somehow, then then um, and you have you have you have the uh, permission, shall we say, from the top, then then what a great opportunity, right? Mm. Um, really is. People see it as extra overhead, of course, because it, it you know working on your organizational culture is is something that is isn't necessarily easy um mm-hmm. but but yeah the, the, the benefits are, are just a, a huge as you and i both know so um great question i'm interested to know what was a, a book or a concept that you learned or that you read um that really made a difference to you that you can sort of say is sort of like i don't know a formative text or a turning point for you it's something. yeah um i so for me, um, the thing that you and I have in common is is our background in process improvement and lean mm-hmm. thinking. Um, so not a book, but the concept of lean thinking just opened my eyes um, to an extent that nothing else that I've covered in 20 years of change has. So from a work perspective, it would be lean thinking, yeah. And what was it about lean thinking in particular that kind of grabbed you, made you think differently about about things what was what was the I, I know what my sort of weird penny drop moment was but what what was it that grabbed yeah, you yeah I mean I wouldn't go so far as saying you know I got religion on it but I, I think that you it, it encapsulates so much that is positive about work from how people lead so it encapsulates a lot of the stuff that we read about around agile and servant leadership can be traced right back to lean thinking so it encapsulates that it encapsulates listening to the voice of the customer it encapsulates driving work activity to what the customer finds valuable um you know now as an independent even when i think about um how i sell and what i sell um you know the idea of being helpful to the client um is really really helping me um mm-hmm. and so there's there's an awful lot to draw upon um when we think about lean thinking beyond its very robust problem solving methodology um that most lean practitioners will also say is 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 foundational to helping an organization improve its processes so when we think about you know defining a problem and measuring it getting to root cause improving and then and then controlling it but beyond that there's an an ethos isn't there i I don't know if you agree a a philosophy almost of of how to care for people and how to trust and give people the autonomy to make mistakes not give them the autonomy to make mistakes that doesn't sound right but give them the freedom to be able to say look you're closest to this thing there's that old proverb you know he or she who has the hammer knows where the nail is, right? I think that's the way around. Um, I could have got that wrong. But those close to the problem know, know what the problems mm-hmm. are. So, so I think that's 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 embedded in that as well. I'm just a, a big a big believer in that. And I will hope to uh, continue to to practice some of the learnings from that. Um, you know, today I die. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, I think that would be, without doubt, the concept that's that's kind of taught me the most. Mm-hmm. I think the respect for people angle of lean is something that that maybe gets lost a little bit in the way that it's 
sometimes in the way it's implemented, but certainly the way it's talked about. Um, I don't think the word helps. I think this suggest it kind of gives this impression of you know cutting to the bone and um, you know doing the most you possibly can with the fewest number of people, which is not really what was ever really advocated for in the in in the, the origins of lean. And I love the idea that doing work which is wasteful is not respectful to people. So that kind of respect for people goes right through to if you're doing something that does not add value then we are not respecting your time as an employee mm-hmm. which i think is so powerful definitely definitely agree with that so we'll um the, the the next couple of questions are about they're kind of like recommendations if you like or about just a little bit of insight into your working practices um so i'd I'd love to hear about a tool that you can't live without or something that you use every day, which is a sort of fundamental part of your workflow. Um, do I have a tool I can't live without? It'd be really sad to say it's my Excel because it's not <laughs> true. So it's not that. Um, I don't know what, when people say tool, I don't know if there is one to be honest with you. I had to think about this, but you know, when people say tools, I often think about mm-hmm. DIY. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. hopeless. Crap. At DIY. I mean, I, I really, it's weird. It's one of those things I really want to be good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's male pride or what, but, but, you know, I mean, but I just can't be trusted, right? Um, I cannot be trusted. And the, this, this, this evidence of wanting to be good at it um, is evidenced by, you know, I, I, I buy these 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 power tools. I, I bought a jigsaw, right? <laughs> it's never been used. Um, it's never been used. Um, I've got. Um, uh, I did a car maintenance course um, a few years ago around the back of Old Street in London, um, and I learned how to change spark plugs and clean them and put them back. And and you had to change an oil filter and everything else. I even bought the overalls so I'd look the part. <laughs> I bought this two ton. Um, it's called a two-ton, uh, two-ton, it's a jack, right? So it's a trolley, so you can put it under the car. Not one of those flimsy things you get um, when you buy a car, but proper jack. So I really like, yeah, this is this is the real thing. And I've just sold it on Gumtree for 20 quid, um, you know, a few years later, because um, it's a weird one. I haven't gotten to the bottom of it. I, I really would love to get good at it, but I am so hopeless at DIY. So uh, yeah, my wife never lets me near a drill now, so it's uh, one of those funny ones. So yeah, don't have a tool, unfortunately, that that I can live with. How are you at wrapping presents? Just out of interest. Interesting. Um, I don't know where you want to go with that. I mean, I, I'm I'm left-handed, and I don't know if there's a correlation between being a lefty and wrapping presents not very well. Um, yeah, I I struggle with that. So I struggle with the the cutting of getting the dimensions right. And then I struggle with the folding bit as well. Why'd you ask? Oh, just because because I'm terrible at wrapping presents, and and I think there's a sort of um, spatial awareness thing that um, yeah. that like lends it to both. I mean, I I will when it comes to like Christmas time, and we're, and me and my wife are doing the sort of uh, traditional sitting there with a glass of fizz wrapping all the presents. I'll she'll watch me measure it out, like measure out the the wrapping paper and watch me do it, or then I'll cut it and it won't fit, and she's like, I'm not not really sure how you've done that like that looked like it was going to work um you know she's kind of like it's 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 her entertainment is watching me like make like frank spencer with uh, wrapping paper and some sellotape um yeah. it's yeah you completely completely get that and it's exactly the same here um same thing with wrapping things in kitchen foil um 
yeah there's there's a part of the brain i think called the hippocampus which is responsible for spatial awareness and i'm sure i don't have it (laughs) 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 it's just not there so so what does your workflow look like on any given day how do you how, how do you get things done what does your process look like as a um a kind of what do you have a do you have a routine do you just do what comes up um no no i'm i'm a i'm a, I'm a I'm a bit too structured for that, I'm a bit too conscientious um, to let things just emerge and see what happens. It'd probably do me a favour if I, if I did allow that to happen, to be fair. Um, but no, it usually starts with um, uh, a wake up. I mean, this morning I went for a swim uh, because I can now, things are opening mm-hmm. up. So I'm, I'm loving getting back in the pool. Um, I, then, uh, <clears throat> I then have a, a rather quirky habit of... In- increasing the number of push-ups I'm trying to do by 10 a month so I'm up to 70 now so that's that's all right um and then I do uh some lead generation in the morning um look at um who it is I would like to contact regarding the business um anyone I need to follow up with as well um I then allow myself usually um the rest of the day is usually taken up with conversations um the usual pick up kids, etc. Um, occasional cooking, um, but it's um, yeah, it's not it's not too regimented, but mm-hmm. it has a bit of structure in there. Um, and my main my main thing isn't isn't a part of the day. It's it's trying to you mentioned at the beginning about trying to you're going on holiday. Um, it's trying not to overthink and one of the things that anyone who goes independent finds quite quickly is that you just never switch off mm. um and for me i'm experimenting with using my phone less because i think that um is part of not the entire root cause but part of the root cause for me not switching off so i'm i'm, I'm seeing how that's going and so far a couple of weeks in it's really helping actually i have to say i'm, I'm okay. I'm certainly, um, I'm certainly seeing the benefits of having a bit of a detox. So, uh, so yeah. How about, how about you? What's your, what's your, what's your typical week? Um, as a GTD. Well, yeah. So my, well, as a GTD, I, I get a lot of um, benefit from the, what comes up for me, kind of aspect of it. So I, I have certain things that I do at certain points during the week based on either um sort of parental responsibilities or 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 recurring meetings but for the most part um i will my first thing i do is check my calendar every morning um and look at my uh next action lists for anything that's due that day or over the next couple of days um so i mean if people always ask like have you got one tip for how i can like get more of my stuff it's kind of look at your calendar and your lists before you open your email would be always be like my number one like really simple behavior change that makes a big difference mm-hmm. um so then i'll have a bit of a an idea of what my priorities are before i've got into my email um and then those priorities fit around what i've already decided it's, it's funny how the order that you make decisions in makes a difference to, to your the, the way that you think about those decisions um then i tend to be ruled a little bit light by my calendar so depending on what i've got booked in i then i structure my lists between 
open time and smaller chunks of time essentially so if i've got three hours worth of space in an afternoon where i don't have a call what are the things i can do with that three hours worth of space um if i've got half an hour what are the tasks that will fit into that half an hour yeah, yeah, yeah. um but the thing that i do struggle with actually is this distinct like to i referenced it earlier on is this this idea of so i was working on a just like a little short video sort of promo thing that i posted to linkedin earlier today and i was working on that last night and it was just you know it was just tinkering with bits of video and audio and my wife came downstairs at like you know nine o'clock and says yeah you still working i'm like well i'm not not working you know it's it doesn't feel like work but i suppose it but i'm not switching off from i'm not switched off from work and i think that's something where um the that's the kind of really difficult bit when you you have your own thing is that there was all this stuff where i wouldn't consider it to be like important enough to take up you know day work time um but it's also i'd say you're doing it in the evening or on the weekend and then you kind of like but i'm still working yeah uh and it's really easy and no, one, to... and no one's paying you for it either. absolutely and then you get into the situation where you know every book you read is a personal development book or every podcast every, everything you listen to is a podcast like this one about personal development um and actually your ability to just enjoy a fiction book or some music stuff like that becomes encroached on by this i should be doing something productive yeah and and, and the truth is it never gets it's it you never get to the bottom of that list right mm. um and maybe maybe there's a certain joy that comes from working on that video audio thing you mentioned, but actually it's not work. It didn't feel like work. I'm guessing you actually quite enjoyed it um, in terms of the the creative side of of putting that bit of content together. Um, I, I'm much the same. I'm, I'm working on um, um, something called Culture Stories at the moment, where I put together literally a two minute excerpt of a a culture story. So the next one's coming out. It's called Belonging. The last one was called Presenteeism. Um, mm-hmm. my, my, and I was playing around again with audio and video last night. Um, <clears throat> it's a lot later than nine o'clock, I have to say. Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm enjoying the process and it's, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's great. And I'd love to get more people involved with it as well. Um, so um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's when overthinking starts to tread into anxiety that I think you have to start to check in with yourself a bit, you know, yeah. That's, that's... yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. So um, what was the last, have you talked a little bit about like things you've bought or acquired that had no purpose or use to them whatsoever and you ended up selling a little bit later, but what's the last really useful thing you bought or acquired where you're kind of like, that was a good purchase or I'm glad I got hold of that. Yeah, um, it, it's actually the thing I'm speaking with right now. It's it's a microphone. So um, I uh, I bought this microphone here, um, which is a, a for anyone listening, it's a Yeti Blue microphone, which mm. was recommended to me by my good friend Pilar Ortiz, who's a seasoned podcaster. Um, she says, if you're looking for one, this is not a bad one to start with. Um, I really like it because I actually bought it for my wife, who has a business where she she teaches young children to speak our mother tongue which is gujarati um it's a north indian dialect um uh, and she she teaches kids now over zoom to make the language fun through song and play mm-hmm. um so i said you can't use the microphone on your on your laptop you need something a bit more professional um 
So I bought this for her, but <laughs> she doesn't use it. So I'm using it. So yeah, and it's really cool. It's really cool. I'm 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 definitely noticing and other people have said, yeah, the audio is a lot clearer. So yeah, that, that'd probably be the latest one, the more recent. Nice. Nice. Excellent. And you, you you are sounding very professional, I have to say. So ah, ah, thank you very much, sir. Yes. <laughs> As are you. <laughs> Excellent. So we're into the home straight now. Um, and I'd like you to uh, to complete the sentence. Um, do yourself a favour and... And stop overthinking. You know, th- 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 this is definitely my my theme for the month. It's, it's not something that I've not come across before in other feedback that I've had, you know, um, definitely an overthinker. And, and often the worst usually never happens. Um, overthinkers often will end up getting them into a, themselves into a state where they're thinking, oh, this could happen and scenario A and scenario B. And, and, and generally it, it, the worst never happens. So actually there's another, there's another one, which is Richard Branson, um, screw it, just do it. Um, I, I don't know if he said that, but he certainly wrote a book called "Screw It, Just Do It." I've, I've, I've been, I've, that's, I've been leaning with that for the last few years as well. So I'm, I, I would end with that. Lovely, thank you very much, Anish. So, uh, where can people find you um, if they've been hearing what you have to say and want to want to know more about and follow you? Definitely. If they're minded to find out a bit more about me, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Anish Hindocha or you can head to my website, um, which is www.jigsawconsulting.co.uk. That's lovely. Thank you for joining me, Anish. You've been listening to Do Yourself a Favour, the podcast about learning from experience and the things we do to make our lives easier. Brought to you by Make Work Work Better. My name is Tim Sisney from Make Work Work Better. Our theme tune is by The Titanics. Talk to you again soon.